1: This is Eddie Lenahan again, and something that I have been meaning to do for quite quite a while, wakes and wake games, because (laughs) it's not a nice thing to think about, but we're all going to die sometime, be we to live long or short. Uh, It's not a thing that most people give much thought to until they have to, and even then. (laughs) They don't like to think about it too much. But it'll come nevertheless. And we sometimes, for our friends and for the ones near to us and for neighbours, we visit out of respect because that's what it's all about, respect. We visit... uh, what would we say, undertaker's, I was going to say shops, wrong word, undertaker's premises in order to pay our respects. But I find they're not the kind of places that I have been told about by all people. Because you're in, you pay your respects briefly to a crowd of people who are standing there and you're out. Many people just take a glance at the person in the coffin and that's it. But in the old days, uh, wakes, wakes, there was something else entirely. Nowadays there are no wakes. In the old days, wakes often went on for two nights. Now, the reason for that is, of course, partly because communications were slow. And when somebody died, the word had to go out slowly and people had to be allowed time to get to the house before the body went to the church and the person was buried. So, in the meantime, when the person was in the house, they had to be waked. Somebody had to be there with them. The people, the person's family, had to be (laughs) kept company with. And in the meantime, like, as I say, uh, what was to happen? Were the people going to sit there looking at the wall? No, not at all. Time had to be passed. Two nights is a long time. Were people going to just oh, all sleep slowly? No, all prayers were said by all means the rosary was said and everything was done as should be done no doubt, but 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 <laughs> young people were there too and you know, young people young people will be young people very often young men <laughs> will be young men and they'll be mischief. Now, mischief, mischief. Well, we, I have to mention at the start of this that you can never, ever, and we should think of this, judge previous ages by our own and by the standards of our own. Because what was thought proper, right and justified in previous ages, maybe we wouldn't think of it today as being so. What would shock us today might be thought very normal in a previous age, and very often was. Now, when I'm describing wake games, it's a what? Games? At a wake? How in God's name could such things happen? But they did. And they were thought well of, and they were thought as normal, normal. And the very kinds of games could sometimes lead, I'll guarantee you, to a rough house and injuries. And, well, that was normality. And i guarantee you this much. If there weren't such games at a wake very often the family would be very disappointed and they'd feel that they had been let down, that they weren't part of a long, long tradition. Ah. So, let's start, let's start. I was, not so long ago, only a week or ten days ago, and this is the new year now, we're starting the new year 2023, I was having a few drinks in the local pub, And the conversation turned to, as it might in a new year, to all the people who were gone, who had died in the old year. Uh, That's natural, that's natural. But a man piped up. He don't believe in nothing like that. That's any old nonsense. There's nothing else. Once you're dead, you're dead. I listened to that for quite a while. And I said to him eventually, like I sometimes do, to people who go on like that. So, you're only a dog. What do you mean? When you're dead, you're dead, and that's it. (laughs) you might as well be a dog. So, I said, I have two lovely dogs, and I sometimes talk to them, and they look up at me, and I say to one of them, what were you in a previous life? The way you're looking at me. And I know by the way my little dog looks at me that (laughs) he knows what I'm talking about. And I sometimes wonder, oh, oh, where was that dog in a previous life? What did he do to say he has come back in the shape of a dog? And I said to the man who was talking, (laughs) uh, you must have done something very, very wrong mm, to say you're talking like this because, because you're a man now. But to say you can say that there's nothing... Nothing else. Where's your father and mother gone? I said. And what are you going to be doing when you meet them? Which you will, I said. Whatever you believe, you will meet those when you finally go down into that ground. And he said, Hold on a minute. No, maybe I won't be going down into any ground. Maybe I'll go down to Shannon Crematorium. I said, don't you know, matter. There was a laugh <laughs> from some of the boys. <laughs> I, just, I said, You'll want you'll a want lot of lamp oil to burn you that was only fun by the way but we were getting around the same subject the same subject stuck we were still talking about death but there was no weight mentioned because things have changed things have changed but the subject the subject was there the subject dying people are still dying and always will be but i started talking a little bit after that about Look, your grandfather, your grandmother. They would have had respect. Then I bet your father and mother. No, no. He didn't care. He didn't care. And I said, that's an awful pity. Because the generations that went before us, they had respect. And when they went to awake, which they did, it wasn't like today, house private. Like that. It's a... It's a kind of a throwaway thing today, but then people were very, very glad to see people coming in and sitting down at night with them in their grief, and if they wanted to have a little bit of lively fun, which I'll describe in a little while now in the form of all these games, that was fine too. It wasn't this dismissive attitude like you have today with so many so-called Christians or whatever, whatever, about death. I think that is a sign of, even though it isn't admitted, fear. Because we'll all have to face the darkness day, And what's there? That's why so many people long ago believed in ghosts and all the rest of it. Because we're all brave today. We've all been born, you see, with electricity and light today. None of us are afraid of the dark. Until we have to face the dark. Be it the physical dark here of the Irish countryside. eh? There are many places that are totally dark. Or a different kind of a darkness that none of us know anything about. That's the problem. We'll all face that someday. And how do you know what's there? We don't. And that's... I think, where the notion of wakes came from. Because the person who had died, what about that person? What was, where, how, what, where did wakes come from? Why did everybody want to, to have a wake? Hopefully. In order, in order to feel wanted at the very last for the last time and that's why the people who who had just lost somebody wanted to give him or her a final send-off. Look lads we'll have a last party for this person now sometimes (laughs) the person mightn't have been the best in the world that person would have a small wake And there'd be always a way of showing that he wasn't the greatest loss in the world. Whereas there might be a tragic wake as well. A young father or mother who left a big family or who was killed young. That was a different kind of wake. People had sensitivities. But there were ways and means of showing how a wake should go. And people weren't stupid. There'd be very, very few games at a, at a young father or mother's wake. People had decorum and knew how to behave. But at a different kind of wake, it could be different. But, but where did they start, these wakes? And they were held not in Ireland just, but all over the world, in different civilizations, in different countries. Everybody seems to have had the notion that, look... We better give this fella a send-off, or else maybe he might come back. Maybe he might come back and haunt us. It's better give him a last party, be nice to him, and let him off into that darkness that I'm talking about. That way, that way, it's safer. So, so, they're almost gone. Weeks they're almost gone in Ireland now and the reason partly is because of the church. Wakes got so rough for a finish that the church kept kept preaching and preaching and preaching against them that finally 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 they became so civilised that they were hardly Wakes anymore and Queen Keening Mm. That's gone. You'll still get crying. Crying at wake still exists. There was a case of it there on television only last week where a poor mother lost her child and you saw her. It was pitiful. And that's natural. That's natural. So crying isn't gone away because emotion, that'll always be there when when somebody loses a child or a young person. Like if somebody is killed in a car crash. In tragic circumstances, well, there mightn't be keening women, but they would be crying, very, very sad. But that's natural. But, uh, as I said, there'd be two night w- wakes previously, and, and well, well, the keening would be there. There'd be dancing there. There could be storytelling there. There could be... <laughs> Anything there to pass the time. Now, there'd be plenty of food and drink. There'd be plenty of food and drink. Naturally, you couldn't take people there for two nights without feeding them. And the problem was how much? How much food and drink? No, no one wanted to be seen as mean. So money was spent, sometimes more than they could afford. And there are plenty of written accounts going back as far as the 17th century by travellers who passed through Ireland and saw wakes and saw the amounts of money spent, often by very poor people, and they said, this is going to break these people. But you see, people, as I said, didn't want to be seen to be any more mean than their neighbours. So they provided the food and, well, very often the drink also. Same thing applied. But food is one thing, drink is another. The drink, it could lead to problems, drunkenness. And not just drunkenness, but fighting, fighting. And that's where the church came in. Because the hierarchy and the clergy, constantly, constantly, they were preaching and condemning the drinking at wakes and promising dire punishments against it. You wouldn't be able to get confession. You wouldn't be able to get communion in the local church or whatever if there was drinking and drunkenness and fighting at this or that or the other wake in the parish or in the diocese. And you could understand that too. It gave terrible example. And and it was a sign that people were spending money that was needed for other things in an age that was very, very poor. You know, they succeeded eventually, of course, and by the 20th century, the mid-20th century, the 1950s and 60s. Wakes, they still existed, but they were relatively civilised affairs. Now, today, it's funeral parlours, in and out. You're hardly there when there's a crowd behind you. You might as well be in a bus queue. But previously, it was a social occasion, awake. Uh, Especially especially went to be that of an older person who was well-known. It was, it was, as somebody said, it was an occasion for a bit of crack. Fun, games, as well as the praying, of course. Because the old person, that person... Look, if they were 90 years of age, why would you be going around with a long face in you? They had served that time. They had a good life. So, no, I tell you, I... I heard from an old man that I collected stories of in my own parish in back in the 1970s and that man was born in 1890 <laughs> and he said he was at a wake one night and he said it was mighty fun entirely. He said he remembered he was sitting by the wall and all of a sudden, and of course that time now when he was young in 1920 or thereabouts during the troubles, and Wakes, know. you had to be careful because the black and tans could burst in at any moment when they'd see the light. You had to keep down the, the, the blinds. And the wake was going on quietly, quietly because because of the troubles. And all of a sudden, somebody got a belt of a kick on the turf in the pole. There was confusion in the house. Somebody threw a car on a turf <laughs> and adding, of course. And in a minute there was nearly a fight going on. Well, that's the kind of crack that was going on in in, in a kitchen, small house. Uh, must have been somebody that was unpopular, uh, hit by a young fella, just to start something, because there was nothing going on except praying and your man, <laughs> The young fella was no interest in praying, but... Anyway, singing, stories, as I said, they were part of the way too, singing more than stories, because, you see, to stories you had to listen, and maybe people were already tired of the praying. So a song is always welcome. But I tell you, uh, in the Goeltacht areas, uh, stories were listened to, because, because... Uh, Stories were better told in Gaelic areas. And up to the 1960s, that was still the case. Now I think it has died out. But remember, if if the person who had died was a a great loss, father or mother of a young family or whatever, there'd be neither singing or stories at that particular wake. Now, dancing at wakes... Was very common that time, and of course, it was regarded by some bishops as a disgraceful practice, something to be prevented and stamped out. Dancing at a wake at a solemn occasion like that, but <laughs> I heard, I heard, you now if we can believe it, that sometimes even the corpse out of the bed was taken out for a dance, out for a dance around the floor, and you'd say, "What, Alexander?" Blast that must have only been a story. But, maybe not. Maybe not. Because, like I said at the start, the whole point of Awake originally was to have a party in honour of the person who was dead to show him or her that, I hey, look, this is our last chance of meeting with you and we're here to let you enjoy yourself. And if the person was a good dancer in their day, Hip, here we go. And he'd be took out round the floor and have a little dance. And then put respectfully back into the coffin again. So, although you can see that the clergy had a point, that it might seem disrespectful. The people, the people who were there, they also had a point. Now, that, that wasn't just in Ireland. It was uh, in other countries too. But anyway, anyway, there'll be more about that later. I'll tell you more about that later. Cards and card playing were very, very common at Wakes. And you can see why again. Because cards, they're a lovely civilised kind of a thing. You can have your game of cards down the corner and you're below the table and you're interfering or disturbing, you're disturbing nobody. And Especially, of course, if the person who had uh, had been uh, a good card player, the dead person, well, it was all the more appropriate. Now, if that person was a good card player while they were alive, sometimes a hand of cards would be given to that person above in the room, in their coffin, <laughs> and their, their hands folded over that chest. A hand of cards might be given to them, again, just out of, uh, out of respect. A little bit of a joke, you might say. But, but, was it a joke? My aunt, my aunt, she died a year and a half ago at the age of 101. And she was a good card player right up to the end. Now this is, she died in, she was born in 1920, the year the black and tans came. She died in 2021. She was 101. Great card player. And when she died, they put her deck of cards into the coffin with her. I have a lovely photo of myself just there at the head of the coffin and her deck of cards inside in the coffin. Because she said always, they'll be waiting for me above and we'll have a great game. They're waiting for me. So, so, it was, it was a sign of respect. A sign of respect. Now, uh, wherever, across that there was young people gathered at Wakes, and there'd be a mixture of the people of the parish, young and old, men and women, there was likely to be, you know, young people, that there would be met to show off, show off. I'm stronger than you, I'm, I'm tougher than you. So, to pass the time... They want to prove themselves, especially (coughs) in front of the young women that would be there. So various games would take place. Uh, Now, again, not just in Ireland, but from Ireland to Iceland, over as far as the Ukraine, and over to uh, uh, Mexico, Africa, all over. Every civilization had their equivalent of these. Now, I'll only mention a few of them because there were dozens and dozens and dozens of them. I'll mention a few of the best known of them. There was lifting the stiff man, as it was called. Now, how that was done was lifting the stiff man. A man, he'd, he'd go down, <coughs> a heavy band, on the kitchen floor, on his back, and he'd put his legs straight down and his uh, two hands under the back of his head. Now, he'd keep his legs stiff, and he wouldn't bend them during this game. Now, a second man would stand over him, and he'd put a foot down on either side of the man lying down, and put his hands underneath the backs of his knees, and he tried try to uh, raise the man's body. Now, uh, up, up, kind of half-standing, and then a second time to get him fully up on his feet. Now, I tell you, the man on the floor would try to make himself feel as heavy and lifeless as he could, but he couldn't bend his knees. Now, I tell you, not as easy as you'd think, because, because, uh, the person on the floor like that it's well he'd feel you know, a man that's lying try it yourself sometime, try it yourself with somebody sometime, I tell you a hard thing to do. I had enough thing to do to rise a person like that. And if the person on the floor was small, a small blocky man is the hardest of all to rise. Try it and you'll see. Now another one was lifting the dead man. Lifting the dead man. No, the dead man here wouldn't be the man out of the coffin at all. He was not that man. But a little fat man would lie down on his back on the floor and very same as the other case and he'd keep his legs straight, straight, tight, straight and then four men would try to raise him off of the floor with their thumbs, <laughs> with their thumbs. They'd place their thumbs under his shoulders Left right shoulder and under the backs of his legs, left and right, and each of them would only use one of his thumbs and try to raise him up. A hard job to do. I'll guarantee you <laughs> now another one of these these um contests of of strength as they used to call them. And of course, it would take strong men to do all of these things if they could do them. And imagine the, the, the audience egging them on, egging them on, egging them on all the time. Another one was lifting the chair. Lifting the chair was. Remember now how the old, uh, you'd say, homemade chairs in farmhouses were solid, solid, sugon chairs. Now, it was caught by the bottom of one of the legs and he tried to raise it up above his head. Not an easy thing to do when you would catch a chair by the bottom of one of the legs and try to raise it up above your head. Well each and every one of them would try to do that and the man that did it, that man was the winner. Now another one was no, this is a very common game, but it was, it was played at a wakes all over the country. Two men had faced each other, it was called the strong hand. Two men had faced each other with their right hands raised against each other, and they'd put pressure then on each other's palms to force down each other's hand. And whichever one forced down the other fellow's hand, he was the winner. Well, that's a commonly played game. Very, very common. Not just at wakes at all, but, but anywhere. I've seen schoolboys playing it, just to prove which of them was the strongest. Now, another game was to show how agile you were. And I tell you, some of these games were dangerous. But the more so they were, the more admired was the person who succeeded in performing them. You can imagine, like again, as I say, inside in kitchens where people were trying to stay awake because the, the cots would be probably above in the coffin, above in the room, and the people there gathered either around the fire or around the corners of the kitchen, sitting on forums along the walls of the kitchen. They wanted some bit of excitement to try to keep them awake. And all these games were exactly doing that. This one was called The Priest's Stirrup. Now, uh, they get a rope, make a noose at one end of it, they throw it up over one of the rafters, and the man that he'd be trying to show how uh, agile or strong he was, he'd catch the other end of it, went to go over the rafter, and he'd put one of his feet into the noose. And then he'd pull on the free end of the rope, and he'd try to raise himself high enough so that he could kick against the other rafter ah, with his free foot. Now, the difficulty here was that <laughs> one part of his body, his hands, was this he pulling against the other, his leg, and he could easily fall down on the floor when he had himself pulled up a good bit ah, and injured his head. Very easily to do. So, I tell you, some of these games were dangerous. Another one was <laughs> cause under the table. Now this could be a funny one, quite quite a funny one, but at the same time you needed a lot of agility to do it. It was that a fella he'd he catch he'd catch the edges of the table, and he'd he'd uh, 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 he'd try to gradually. And gradually and gradually pull himself under and under and under and under the table. Without touching the floor, of course, until he'd come out and around, out and around. And it looks looks a very, very simple thing to do. Very simple thing to do. You'd imagine now that there'd be no, no trouble at all. But I'll tell you, not so easy as you'd imagine. uh, Well, to bring yourself around under the table, between the legs of the table, and come back to where you started without touching the floor. Uh, (laughs) The table could very easily turn around upside down while you were trying to do it. And if it did, well, I tell you, (laughs) you were going to get injured in the process. But another one was called Clochine. Clusheen, well now Clusheen of course has a small ear and what happened in this game was four or five men or six men or whatever you had space for that sit up on a stool, you know one of the forums, and they were all looking the one way towards the, le- the fellow in front they'd be all looking towards his back now that man in front he'd hold his left hand against his right ear Left hand against his right ear, and that was, of course, to protect his ear. And the player behind him would strike him a wilt on that hand in an attempt, uh, attempt to knock him off of the stool. And if that second player knocked him off of the stool, no, that was fine, he was out of the game. So the game continued. The man behind him then tried to do the same to so the second fella. And on and on and on until there was any one left in the stool, on top of the stool. Now, that was a rough game, a rough game and you could get a right blow on the ear, and sometimes fellas got rightly hot, rightly hot. And you'd say why in God's name would they be trying to hurt each other like that? Huh? huh? Fun Fun and for the for the uh, laugh that it might give the crowd. But you see the other thing was, nowadays, nowadays, I think people aren't half as tough as they were in those days. Because an awful lot of the fellows that would be there at that, well, first of all, they were trying to show off in front of the women. And secondly, a lot of those fellows would be walking out on the land with horses and with digging and they were tough. Their hands were toughened. They were tough from physical work. A lot tougher than people today who are just driving cars and driving machinery and they're not as physically tough as the people in those days. Now, the next the next uh, one I have here is uh, retailing the donkey. <laughs> they'd put it on the floor. They'd make out a rough sketch of a donkey and it'd have no tail in it. No, they'd make it with soot or chalk or something like that. And they'd call out for somebody from the crowd. Come on, come on. And they'd blindfold him. Now they'd whirl him around a few times and you know yourself when you whirl around you'll you, you'll get confused. And then your job was to put a tail on the donkey. Now, he'd try to do this, of course, blindfolded, blindfolded. And, he'd, of course, naturally enough, he, he wouldn't. He wouldn't be able to unless he was purely lucky. And that's what caused the joke. That's what caused the joke among the crowd. All the stupid places he'd put the tail on the donkey or tried to put the tail on the donkey. And another uh, story then, like that was another game, was was the pig's eye. No very, very much like it uh, 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 what would they say a pig was drawn on the uh, on the floor, and the players were blindfolded one after the other, and they'd stand a bit out, and they'd throw the chalk they'd throw the chalk to put in the eyes on the pig, but of course most of them they wouldn't succeed in this at all, but if they didn't uh, the difference in this case was. Their faces would be smeared with soot. That was the penalty. That was the penalty when they would fa- fail in pointing out the pig's eyes with a bit of chalk that they'd throw. Their face would be smeared with soot, and then of course they'd have to go out outside into the darkness and wash their paws with with the well water. Now, another one was maybe a kind of a cruel game. But it was called the ring on the wall. <laughs> and this was, a ring was made in the wall with, again, chalk or a little bit of soot out of the fire. And they called out a player. He was blindfolded. And his task was to walk towards the wall and put his finger in the ring. Now he was sure where the ring was first before he was blindfolded and then he had to put his finger in the ring but as he made his way towards the wall with his finger stretched out in front of him somebody would take the finger between his teeth and bite it. (laughs) I tell you, once it happened once there wouldn't be too many takers for that afterwards. Now, another one was threading the needle. This was a funny one. Of course, uh, in a normal circumstance, in a house like that, which was only lit by maybe a lamp or a few candles, that'd be a hard thing to do, to thread a needle, nearly impossible. But in this game, what you had to do was sit down on a bottle, sit down on a bottle that was put down flat on the floor, which would be able to roll, 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 you had to sit on that and try to thread the needle, which was nearly impossible, and of course the, the crowd would get great satisfaction out of that. Uh, again, there wouldn't be too many volunteers, but volunteering had nothing to do with these games. If you were picked out by the master of ceremonies and refused, there was a certain penalty to be paid. Very often you'd get your posts covered with soot, or you'd get slapped, or you'd get whatever it was. Now, talking of slapping, one of the greatest punishments for all these games was slapping. And when you consider that corporal punishment was an everyday occurrence at the time, so when wakes were in their heyday, it should be no surprise at all to find that slapping was one of the most common pon- penalties imposed on players who took part in games at wakes and who failed. Now, the slaps, I tell you, they were inflicted with uh, no no easy little tip or anything. They were inflicted with a hard leather strap, uh, very similar uh, to many schools or Even a rope sometimes. So, well, that was in some of the games. Or in others of the games, the games themselves were based on the palms of the hands. That could be the the whole game. They'd be based on the palms of the hands. A slapping game based on slapping hands off of each other. Slapping hands off of each other. Now, as I said, think of how hard hands could be at the time from sheer physical work out in the fields I tell you, it was the, it was the age of physical labour, pre-machinery so these you could say were what was known as games of endurance so uh, one of them was called uh, bullabust. Bullabust was called and uh, it, that's what, exactly what it was That's what it was. And what they used to do was first player in the group, there'd be two groups of men, three in each group. The first player in the group, one bent forward, his hand would be upturned behind his back and it was slapped three times as heavy as possible with the palms of one of his opponents and then the pair didn't change sides and so on and so on until one group admitted defeat. Now, Say, if that continued long enough, well, I tell you, <laughs> it made the palms of fellows' hands very, very sore. So, what they used to do was they used to to try, well, before the game started at all, to make their hands sople by rubbing things to them uh, wax, chalk, uh, something, something that had. That'd make them less tender when the game would come, car grease, tallow, whatever, whatever. Oh, there was plenty of other games. One of 'em in Connemara uh, was called Malav. Uh, oh, you should look! You could be going on and on and on. They, they, in Malav, they had, they, they used to do the slapping with a rope a rope and, and and I tell you lots of these ones went they led to the fighting fighting and ah, uh, look uh, there was one above in Longford a game called <laughs> the wrong soul by the ear and what they what they used to do with that game was they'd call out a man they'd blindfold him and That strike him. Now, if he accused somebody in the wrong for striking him, that person could lead him around and round the room by the ear and strike it and pull it. And, of course, great enjoyment for everybody. Great enjoyment for everybody. Uh, Was it great enjoyment? I tell you, I tell you. You wouldn't want to volunteer for a game like that. But you see you had no choice you had no choice because if you didn't volunteer uh, you were going to be bad anyway so you might as well volunteer when you were called out and hope for the best now oh, sorry some of the games some of the games were played they were booby trap games <laughs> to catch poor unsuspecting misfortunes who had never seen games before, these games. And a very, very, very popular one was The Bees and the Honey. Now, The Bees and the Honey was played not just in Ireland, but in other places too. It was, it was, it, to describe it was, the leader, he announced that he wanted some... Uh, and girls too to take part in his game and they stood in a circle on the floor and he picked out from the rest of the crowd someone who was eh, unfortunately <laughs> half simple maybe or somebody who had never seen the game played before or somebody who was a stranger and, and there would be strangers there of course who had come from a long distance away to the wake and the person then who had been picked out, he was asked to sit down on a box or a chair in the middle of the crowd in, in the centre of the room, and he was to be the hive, and the other players, the bees. And when all this was arranged, now the leader, he gave the order to the bees to start their work. And round and round the hive they went humming and humming and humming and humming. humming Just like bees around the hive in a summer day. And then the leader would say, he said there's little or no honey to be collected inside this house. You would have to go out, bees have to go out. So out they'd go (laughs) in the darkness to look for the honey out of doors. And all the players in the circle, all then, out. Out, out, uh, humming as they go, of course, you know, bzzz, like bees. But after a while, they come back, out, out, to the middle of the floor, and they're still bzzz, bzzz, uh, around the hive, <laughs> poor man sitting on his chair in the middle of the floor, uh, until the leader ordered them, put the honey now into the hive, into the hive, bees, into the hive. And, of course, this was the part of the game that the game was all about. Each of the players gone out to the well, taken a moatful of water outside of the well. And now, <laughs> this, as they gathered around the poor lad, sitting on his chair, the hive, this was now poured out, squirted out on the unfortunate lad, soaking him to the skin. <laughs> and of course, once he was caught, that fella he'd never again be caught. But it was a once-off kind of a trick because there was nobody else inside in that kitchen going to be caught by the same trick. So, again, it wasn't just in Ireland that that game was played. It was played in many, many other countries too. Now, there was another game like that which was enlisted in the the army. It was, that was played in my place in Kerry. I, I was told I never saw it, of course. But, what used to be done was, it was <laughs> it was very much like that particular game there. It was, again, a booby-trap game. Somebody who had never seen that game before, he was asked to come out on the floor uh, to be an army recruit, and there'd be two or three men gathered around him, uh, the doctors, to test him all his physical condition to see was he capable of joining the army and one of them would ask him rise up your arms there above your head till we examine you and of course he do he do that and one of the one of the fellows that had been mm, got beforehand he'd be above on the loft above his head with a bucket of water or a gallon of water he'd pour it straight down on top of him down into his sleeves and drown him entirely. <laughs> and, of course, this trick also was known. It was known in other countries. The poor fellow, he, he uh, once more, he'd never be caught in any other place by that particular trick. So, there were all kinds of joke games like that. Sometimes played on simple poor lads. Now, we mightn't do that now. But, as I said at the very start, we shouldn't judge other ages and what they did by the standards of our own. There were different times, different times. Now, (laughs) there was another one, and it was called Pulling a Man Up by a Straw. And what used to be done with this one was some blackguard in the audience, he'd say that he could lift anyone present off of the floor with only a wisp of hay. And He'd put it up, he showed up to all of them. and some fella who didn't know the game, maybe he'd be, again, maybe he'd be a simple fella, or he'd be a stranger who, who didn't, as I say, know the game, he'd say, how do you do that? That couldn't be done. "Well, come out here, so, and I'll do it for you. And he'd lie down, lie down, and he would. And of course all the crowd knew, some of them as curious as anybody else, He'd lay down on the floor and put that in your mouth, now the fellow'd to him, and he'd put the the little wisp of hair or straw or whatever in his mouth and your man then was doing the trick, he'd then tried to lift him up with one hand by the by the bit of straw or hair, but of course he couldn't succeed. he then use his other hand. And in that, of course, in the other hand that he had behind his back, he'd have full of ashes or soot. And down he'd throw it, down in your man's face and eyes. <laughs> fun, fun. And, of course, we'd said, yes, was that fun and games? But, of course, the audience, they get mighty cracker to that entirely because <laughs> they had escaped. It wasn't them who had volunteered, thanks bitter God. Oh no, there was another one. And you could call this, maybe, a cruel enough game. But, but, it was called Hiding the Stones. And there was different names for it in different places, but Hiding the Stones. A fellow, again it depended who hadn't seen the game before. He was told by some fellow take the stones there out of the kitchen, one by one, and hide them. There was a couple of stones there, two or three stones. And hide them, take them out. And the fellow would take them out, of course, outside the door. And the fellow boasted who was going to do the trick. He boasted that he'd be able to tell him where he had hidden the stones. He'd leave one after him. And then the fellow went out once twice, three times, and he takes fierce trouble now in hiding the first two stones and then the third stone. And while he was outside, a fourth stone was being secretly (laughs) heated in the fire and in it, instead of the third stone, which was hidden, it was was lying on the table when he returned. And when he took the hot stone in his hand to take it out, it burned him, of course, and he had to drop it <laughs> at once. Ah, that's where he hit it. That's where he hit it. The wrong way to go, and he pointed it was on the floor. Now, you know, to, to those kind of things, you'd, we, we'd say, God almighty, what kind of... what kind of... like was that, you know, to burden the first, first person's hand? Was it... But like I said, again, they found that funny. We wouldn't find it funny. We'd find that cruel. However, however, don't judge. Don't judge when we might think mm, what we might think is, is... Of course, there was always blackguarding at Wakes, always mischief-making at Wakes, and after Wakes, uh, uh, sometimes, and I had this in my own place in Kerry, sometimes uh, young lads who weren't maybe invited to Wakes and where there was no room for them uh, in smaller houses, what they used to do was, they'd block the chimney, they'd block the chimney, throw an old sack over the chimney, a wet, damp sack, and they'd close the door, tie the door or blow pepper in the keyhole, and stifle the people inside. <laughs> now they'd be inside and <coughs> and coughing, uh, uh, or fill the place with smoke, because the thing was blocked, the chimney was blocked, and an old man told me that they were inside, and they stifled and coughing, and coughing, uh, and the poor women that were up around the corpse, were above, uh, 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 and choking, almost choking to death themselves and the poor man inside in the coffin. And when the, somebody tried to, to open the door, the door tied, the, the door, and luckily, it was only a pure luck, that one of them uh, had a spade. And he was able to lift the door off of the hinges and out, out. Otherwise, there had been somebody else. <laughs> that night killed. But, you, you know... Sometimes the fun could go overboard, you could say, and, well, mm, that's why it sometimes led to fights and all the rest of it. Uh, But, but, the clergy, I tell you, they were kept busy preaching against these wakes. However, however, that's gone, that's finished with, that's over now. And, and uh, let me just finish by saying, as I mentioned the clergy there, That one thing that most annoyed them was, was when their own domain was infringed on. Um, Matchmaking sometimes took place at wakes, as you might expect. And I mean, real matchmaking, because wherever there was a crowd gathered, like at a wake, and sometimes at the bigger wakes, uh, richer people's wakes, a big farmer's wakes, where you had uh, people could sit around, look, and... Mm, a match might be made, Mm, people had a chance of looking at such a social occasion, a lot of people gathered, uh, you had prospective mm, um, brides and bridesmaids, uh, brides uh, uh, and grooms here, Uh, well social occasion as I say, people meeting uh, and and, uh, matches were made at such things which to us seems very mercenary but life has to go on Uh, and well if if games were played that imitated matchmaking are we to be surprised? No there was plenty scope for rough humour at such games Uh, now (laughs) we'll say Uh, I won't mention those. I won't mention those because you can imagine them for yourself. There was plenty, plenty scope, as I say, for rough humour. She uh, matched with him. uh, The most uh, illogical and unsuitable pairs were uh, matched up at such games. But another type of game was a logical continuation of this and that was uh picking out picking out uh sacramental mockery games, such as confessions picking out confessions, for example, uh and marriages. Marriages for no, just take for example uh Uh, confessions. A man would go out into the corner of the room and he'd throw a ribbon, we'll say, across his shoulders. And he'd call out anybody who wants to make their confession here, uh, come on, come on, come on now. And, of course, people would. People would. And he'd start muttering, muttering, something to simulate Latin. And He'd give people the most outrageous penances to do to do uh, the most crazy kind of penances for the sins they had committed that that uh, and people could guess the sins they had committed from the penances they had got. It was hilariously funny, which again you see gave the notion of scandal scandal in such a house where you had a corpse in one room, and you had this hilarious fun going on down in the kitchen.
0: Well eh,
1: the clergy, naturally enough, didn't like it, and especially when it seemed to be mocking their own their own trade of confessions and marriages and marriages because well, well does anybody in a serious business like to be mocked? They preached constantly and constantly against it. and seemed to be bringing them into contempt and the solemn occasion into contempt. Eventually the preaching had its effect and by the 1960s, as I said, all this kind of thing had faded away. Nowadays, are we much the better for it? I don't know. I don't know. Nowadays, maybe it's too sanitised. You're in, you're out of one of these funeral parlours, as they call them. Um. You feel you've just done your duty and you can walk away. Do your shopping after going into the funeral parlour. That's a, a big, big change from what was there only 40-something 40, 40 years ago. There was more a sense of fun then, fun as, as well as the solemnity. But Ireland has changed enormously in, in two generations. I'm not so sure that it has always been for the better. But time moves on. Time moves on. The only thing that hasn't changed, as I said earlier, is that we'll all have to pass the same way eventually, eventually. Thank you for your attention.